My name is Matt Brown. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. And let's start the show. You know, friends, so many people have wished me congratulations on a 67-year career in baseball, and they've wished me a wonderful retirement with my family. And now, all I can do is tell you what I wish for you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. For every problem, life seems a faithful friend to share. For every sigh, a sweet song and an answer for each prayer. You and I have been friends for a long time, but I know in my heart that I've always needed you more than you've ever needed me. And I'll miss our time together more than I can say. But you know what? There will be a new day and eventually a new year. And when the upcoming winter gives way to spring, rest assured, once again, it will be time for Dodger baseball. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be. a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, August 4th, 2022. We have a special baseball edition of this program as we settle into our new season once and for all. I have some things to tell you exactly what the hell's been going on, but now the coast is clear. I see a bright future. We're on to true greener pastures. And we have a huge weight off my shoulder. And most importantly, it gives me the time, focus, and clarity to do more podcasts. And I'll explain exactly what I'm talking about before we talk to our great friend Alex Young about the little more than midpoint of the MLB season, but the point where the trade deadline has passed us. It is in the rearview mirror. We are now at a clear road to October, and me and the great Alex Young are going to talk all about it shortly. But before we get into that, I just want to remind you to don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So yes, feels good as we kicked off our new season a couple weeks ago, then we had to take another week off because of literally the a lot of crazy a lot of crazy shit that happened in my life, but now we are in a better place, much better place and we have a much better future ahead and let me explain what exactly happened before I talk baseball and all of that. And explain also uh, the monologue. But just so you know, uh, the greatest fans listeners of the world, the productive nation, I have been working at this production company and I really appreciate the opportunity they gave me. But if you know me, 
And if you see me on LinkedIn, I left that job last week. I have no ill will. You know, there were some circumstances that went in front of me and things took a pivot when I took the job initially. And quite frankly, I was doing a part-time job when I was expecting something a little different. And basically, I was going in assuming I was going to work full-time at this place. And then due to COVID restrictions and issues going around with the pandemic, they turned that from a full-time job to a part-time job, only working three days a week. Then three days a week turned into two days a week. And I was working for about a month of this place without being told that this was going to happen. And I was working part-time at a minimum wage job in the city. And I tried to make it work for a month. And I was trying to get to Labor Day with this and hopefully ask for a reevaluation. And I just couldn't survive. I was making only $388 every two weeks from this job I had. And with the rise in cost of living, inflation going up our asses, uh, gas prices making it so difficult, I literally was almost losing money working at this job. It was not working financially, and it put so much stress on me trying to do the, the other things in life. I mean, it was hard, you know, going out and dating people because... It was hard to afford some of these dates. I remember there's there's one situation, right? Really nice person. I was me in New York City, and she was expecting me to uh, go out and take her out to dinner. I already met her once, and it was lovely. And, you know, as we're starting to get to know each other, that's what she was really implying. And I literally had to back out of <laughs> seeing her because I can't afford. She wanted to go to this very fancy restaurant, $120. That was literally almost one and a half days working at the place I was working at. I, I had to back out because of that. And uh, she was not happy. And she had some nice, not so nice things to text back. And, you know, it's whatever. I just said, I'm sorry. I couldn't do it. And, you know, I was trying to hold on to other things uh, in my life, both personally for professionally. And... Honestly, this job was just so hard to handle because, you know, you had to count in the commuting costs, dinner, and then, you know, getting home so late and trying to do everything. It was hard. And then I had to Uber and Uber Eats, and then that was getting really difficult. And quite frankly, I just knew that I had to leave. And... I might as well just focus on doing my deliveries for now while I look for another job in production and podcasting and broadcasting. And that's what happened. Pretty much, if you noticed, I was so consistent with doing my podcast until I started this part-time job that took so much of my time with so little pay and gave me so much stress. And then I'd have to work weekends sometimes as well. I felt like I was getting taken advantage of, quite frankly. And I left because of that. And I really don't have any ill will. But um, I just had to do what was best for me. And, you know, not have to do some 
these random things just to get cash to pay your rent. So that's why this show really was not as consistent as it was for the first 15, 16, 17 months. I only done what less than 10 shows in between April and now. And I realized that I have to do what's best. And so now I'm a free agent once again, doing my deliveries. And uh, that is fine for now. But I will continue to look for a new job. I will continue to apply to jobs while also growing this brand and show and giving the audience the amazing content they deserve. And now we're back here. And I now have a better grasp of my schedule I could do pods consistently again. And even when the day comes that we hopefully get a full-time job, I am confident that with my five plus years experience working in production, that I could get a job that I qualify for, I get rightfully compensated for, and also pursuing my dreams as a podcaster and growing this brand. So. We're back in order. I promise. I literally promise for podcasts that I record, they will go up right away as per usual. They won't take three, four months to get up because of my crazy schedule. And I owe a huge thank you to De Niro Talks for his patience because we recorded this amazing podcast back in May and, you know, it's August. And that's on me not being able to post it because I was just trying to work so hard and pay rent and have my shit together. But now I know for a fact that we'll be able to pull it off and you're gonna see an amazing talk about, you, I should say you will see an amazing podcast featuring De Niro Talks this Tuesday. So yeah, that's ex- exciting. I now am at peace with what I've been dealing with with the past four months. Now on to Greener Pastures. So yeah, if you know anyone who needs a stellar candidate in all aspects of production, whether pre-production, production itself, post-production, clearly in audio and visual as well, you know, some digital marketing skills, uh, let them know about me or tell me somebody I should reach out to. And that is exactly what will happen. And as I said for the show, we kicked off the new season two weeks ago and now we're back to the groove and it feels great. It feels really, really great. And like I said, we have a lot of great new content coming on the way. Amazing new guests, amazing old guests, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's get ready and end this new year. And end this year, you know, we're what a third of the way to New Year's Eve. Let's make it as as stellar as it can be. And we will all enjoy this journey together. I appreciate and love every single one of you. And thank you for hearing me out, The Productive Nation. Now let's switch gears. Today's podcast is featuring my great friend, Alex Young. Him and I have some baseball to talk about. The trade deadline ended this past Tuesday. And there were definitely some significant moves throughout 
the baseball world. The Yankees made some great moves to their bullpen. They got the outfielder they needed. They got the starting pitchers they needed. The Mets, I mean, they did something, but it was underwhelming for Met fans for sure. Juan Soto goes to San Diego. Um... And, you know, the Phillies got some big moves and there was a lot of stuff going on in the baseball world. And you can only be excited for the final two months of the year, especially if you're a Yankee and Met fan. And who do I have today? My great friend Alex Young is here. My Met fan and my co-host when I do baseball shows. And it's going to be a hell of a time listening to him and I talk about the big moves that took place in the baseball world and then some and we'll also honor the great Vince Scully who sadly passed away late Tuesday night and our condolences to him and his family and Alex and I will talk about the legacy he brought to the world of baseball but this is going to be a good time Alex and I are going to debate some baseball we're going to agree we're going to disagree and we're going to have a lot of fun with it so let's bring on my great pal Alex Young to talk about baseball right here right now here we go I love baseball I love baseball in the summer I love baseball in early August because that means all the trades are done we have a clear road to October and we have to analyze and let the people know what's about to happen. And, you know, you have my guy, Alex Young, with me to do all of that. Alex, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing great, Matt. It's good to talk to you again. Uh, talking baseball trade deadline. It was crazy this year. Probably the craziest, I think, in a really long time in terms of some players that got moved. And we'll talk all about that. But I'm excited to talk about some baseball, talk about your Yankees and my Mets. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, talk about the trade line, what we think is going to happen going forward. For sure. For sure. As we start this new season and new shows and stuff and all of that. So, Alex, I think the first thing it's fair to talk about that. Sadly, late last night, late baseball lost one of his true pioneers, Vince Scully, the face uh, or I should say the voice of the bro both Brooklyn and Los Angeles Dodgers for 67 seasons and still get the real good profile he was tweeting up till May and obviously not only done baseball, he was, he's done the NFL, the famous catch called the catch in the uh, NFC championship, 81 uh, Cowboys and 49ers. He's done golf, but I think it's fair to say he's most notable and he's most recognized in baseball. And I just want to go a few minutes. What do you, how do you feel about that as we offer our condolences to his family? But to you, Alex, who's been a baseball fan for a long time, um, what does Vince Scully mean to you even at this uh, stage of your life? Uh, I mean, yeah, get, getting that last night, you know, I made an Instagram uh, post um, on my story, you know, just saying that, you know, to me, he, he's he's the greatest voice in baseball and, um you know, one of the greatest announcers in sports history, period, um, mm -hmm. across the board. Um, and just seeing on Twitter all the various different things on how he could call a game but tell amazing stories and, yeah. and, and still, you know, be right in there um, talking about the game um, 
was inspiring for me. Um, you know, inspiring probably to you as well. You know, we we both started wanting to be, you know, on the mic and talking. And, and, and for me, Vince Coley was one of those guys. There's people that, you know, I look up to, um, you know, now I'm in production and behind the scenes. But um, when I was growing up, you know, the Vince Scully's, the Stuart Scott's of the world, mm-hmm. um, you know, Scott Van Pelt for me as well. You know, there's so many names I can read, but Vince Scully was a guy for baseball. Uh, Gary Cohen, another one for baseball for me too. But Vince Scully was a guy that, you know, I always, every time I, 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 would hear him, I would just think baseball, right? That was yeah. baseball. It was always baseball. Like even I've seen other sports, it's always baseball for me. So um he really was a pioneer and just seeing all those stories. And, and obviously for me as a best fan, I, you know, I was young when this happened. I wasn't even born when this happened, but just <laughs> young seeing it for the first time as my dad would show me the 86 Mets and, and, and the run, you know, obviously he had the Buckner call and I forgot that he was on the call for that mm-hmm. game, I was thinking it was someone else, but him on the call for that. So every time now he's synonymous with Mets history because he was on the call for for the the rally, right? Um, and, and the Buckner through the legs call. So, um, you know, we definitely did lose a pioneer um, and a guy who was inspiring to so many. Um, but just the fact, like you said, he was the voice of the Brooklyn Dodgers and mm-hmm. the LA Dodgers for all those years. And there was a really cool picture I saw. Um, of him and Jackie Robinson ice skating together, um, you know, when he was younger, obviously, uh, was something that you really don't understand how ingrained in history he was. And, you know, it's kind of crazy just talking different sport, but with basketball in the same week, we lose a pioneer basketball, Russell. And then only a few days later, we lose another pioneer in, in baseball with Vince Scully. So two tremendous losses to their respective sports, but just an inspiration for, so many of us um, and the man that, you know, with Vince Philly, that will truly miss, um, you know, because him when he retired was such a sad day for everyone because we were hearing him for all of our lives. And the fact that he spent so many generations of baseball fans alike uh, was truly incredible. So uh, definitely a sad loss. And then Matt, I know you probably have some words on Vin, but for me, uh, just a guy who's just inspiration for something I want to do uh, in my career and to be in sports and to lose him. Um, obviously, it was, it was a sad night for me last night. Yeah, I think you you hit everything on the nail that I that I pretty much feel that this guy is he made the bait. I think I understand baseball as a sport can be pretty boring, even for us. There are some times when you have somebody who can tell these stories, this guy with like one of the things you appreciate with somebody who I don't want it if you know, for lack of a better word, who's lived a long life that they know how people he interact and stuff and through history and even the little stories you could get on YouTube. I think that is really cool and something that he made for a sport that can get tedious at times. I think that's one of the things to admire from Mr. Scully. And I happened to like a month ago, I was just on a YouTube rabbit hole and I saw his last game and he talked about how I might if I remember the story correctly, it was his last game doing one of these stories and it was in the late thirties when he saw an ad about um, being a broadcaster for the first time. He's like, you know what? I could do that too. I think he said it was like the 1937 world series. And you know, that's what 85 years ago. And he lived to tell that. So this guy made it entertaining. This guy was just so fun and he was a fun Twitter follower follow for anyone who checked out like i said he's tweeting up till may and would tell these stories and i think it's admirable for a life well lived 
and that you can, it, how important it is to take care of yourself to live to 94 and still have your wits. I think that's something to admire too. And you will be surely be missed. And, um, that just shows, Hey, if you could do it, why not you? And that's the story he said in that, in that store, in that, uh, glimpse 85 years ago, if you could do it, why not you? And also it's fair to say also too, for rested peace, Bill Russell, the best winner of all the sports, 11 NBA finals. I'll be pioneer, talk about another pioneer, an amazing center. And again, a true ambassador of the game. And he lived it right. Sadly gone at 88, but I think everybody who's a true basketball fan knows who Bill Russell is. And you'll always have that debate of the greatest basketball players of all time. And especially if you get to Mount Rushmore, Bill Russell will always mm-hmm. be in that list with your MJs and LeBrons, but uh, Kareem's, but Bill Russell's that guy. And also just love to give you the floor before we talk trades about Bill Russell's impact to you, Alex, especially. Yeah, um, definitely. I could dive into some, some Bill Russell, um, you know, when, when he passed away, um, I, I mean, I got, I got lucky enough to kind of, with my job working at the NBA to kind of mm-hmm. sit back and be in some recordings with him um, and, and, and hear him and, and hear these stories that he had. And um, he definitely was just a nice guy. Uh, anyone that knew him, I think you, everyone said how nice and funny he was um, and the wit that he had. Um, but to me, you know, obviously as an NBA fan and working at the NBA and knowing his impact, on the court as being, as you said, you know, obviously the greatest champion in, in, in our sports history, in the NBA's history, but in sports history, um, to me, his impact was more off the court, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, his, in his civil rights movement um, and everything he did there. Uh, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for guys like Martin Luther King and, and athletes like Bill Russell and Jackie Robinson and things like that. I, I, I'm a descendant of, uh, of a proud African-American uh, dad and I have a mom who's white and without mm-hmm. that uh, I want to be here today without their fight and uh, so for me uh, Bill just has a special place in my heart because he fought for for you know African-American rights and for you know generations after to live uh, normal lives and um, to be treated fairly and I know there's a, there's still a fight for that and there's still struggles through that but it's been better than it was and it, if it wasn't for him like that and, and you know for Martin Luther King and things like that, I want to be here. So Bill, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I hold him in tremendous uh, esteem um, just looking up to him, you know, obviously as the greatest champion in the NBA and, and us being basketball fans, just seeing his impact on the court, you know, he was the most, you know, one of the most dominant players we've seen and seeing some of these highlights that come out now, the black and white highlights, some of the moves <laughs> that he had, you know, we've seen that it would, it would have broke social media. He was doing things that were insane. Right. So um, at his time and, you know, like I said, um, he had such amazing stories, such an amazing career. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people said his impact was really felt off the court and everything he had to deal with from racism in his own city um, and everything he had to deal there and racism in the country and the way that he he fought for, for rights for everyone. And, uh, you know, to teach everyone uh you know, through tremendous adversity, how to, how to be a stand-up individual and to, uh, to really be, you know, the best person you can be despite tremendous odds, um, and adversity, like I said, uh, is something to admire. And, uh, you know, 
it was just such a sad day because, um, you know, like I said, the same as Vince Scully last night, the other day, you know, just reflecting on the career of Bill Russell and, and it, such a tremendous impact, um, you know, we really are losing a lot of, of greats and it, it's sad. Um, but to me, you know, Bill will always have a special place in my heart um, just because of everything that he did, um, you know, both on and off the court. I love that, man. I really do. And not much to follow after that, but as per usual, Mr. Young, you know what to say in uh, representing someone's impact. And we will never forget Bill Russell and Bill Scully, respectfully. So let's talk some trades now. Where do I go from Soto to the Yankees? Oh, let's talk about your Mets. Let's make fun of your Mets, Alex. You know, I mean, it's easier for me to say this, but I know the Mets are over 30 games over 500, and it seems like they let the fan base down, Mr. Billy Epler. Um, I've I heard for a long time Stevie Cohen's Uncle Stevie's beautiful money, but yet it has resulted in definitely the team's better. Won't take away, but maybe it's our selfishness that people just want big names. So does this go over? You got Daniel Vogelbach from the Pirates for Corey Holderman, who people felt had a lot of potential. Tyler Naquin joins the squad from the Cincinnati. You get Darren Ruff uh, right before the deadline, going a uh, veteran outfielder DH hybrid from the Giants. And you also get Michael Givens from the Cubs. Going into it, everyone said bullpen. We need bullpen. We need bullpen. When you had David Peterson, the starter, going in the Subway Series in the eighth inning, it's fair to say that uh, something has to change. And you also needed some uh, upgrades at the DH level, and that's where Naquin and Ruff come in and Vogelbach. And then the big reliever you needed, you get Michael Givens. So that's the rundown here. Alex, are you upset are you annoyed, you know, when you have David, people like David Robinson as a target, he goes to the Phillies in division. You needed an upgrade at catcher, James McCann, Nitto, and um, what, the, the very hard name to pronounce. Um, uh, I uh, what are you saying for catcher? You have Nitto, uh, McCann, uh, and what's his name? Uh, Mazika. Yeah. Yeah. And you have Wilson Contreras available. He doesn't even go. He's not traded at all. So this is what you got, Alex. Now, I said this team is leading the division and this team, I think, can still win a World Series. But I'll let the floor to you, Alex. How do you feel about the how do you feel about the front office, this deadline? And if you could give me like a grade from F to A, I'd like to hear what would you give the deadline for now? Uh. Uh, initially mm, like a C plus B minus <laughs> most um, it, it was definitely underwhelming just seeing and we'll obviously talk Yankees like seeing what the Yankees did seeing what the Braves did and seeing what the Phillies did you know like everyone around us were making big moves yeah decent moves um, you know and uh, Yankees will always talk about your team but like you know for the Mets, there's obviously needs here. We needed like a consistent bat, and I understand we're getting depth bat. Vogelback, Naquin, Ruff. Uh, we need Bobelab. We had Gibbons. Like, I understand there are little holes here, but like we need a lefty reliever. 
We have Joel Rodriguez, who hasn't looked great since the first half of the season. He's been all over the place. He can and only dance. That's it. That, that's it. And then obviously Peterson comes in uh, and gave up the home run instantly in the subway series diet. He has had command issues all year. He has tremendous upside. I really like Peterson. I'm, I'm on the Peterson bandwagon. He got sent down for a little bit, try to work on his control and he'll be back up on the team soon, but he's kind of more like a, a back end starter to me. Not really like, and transitioning him to a reliever, I think he'd be more valuable to get you five or six innings than it is to have him try to get some outs um, because he's more of a, a tempo pitcher. Let me get out of jams or get through a couple innings and I'll be good. He doesn't have the, the reliever mindset. So the fact that we walk away without a lefty reliever, uh, you know, we're looking at Chafin and things like that. And then another mm-hmm. guy who was having a great year in Robertson, who you probably have to give up more like about like much to get. It just seemed underwhelming. It was like, okay, we need some depth bats, but we didn't get like the big bat. We didn't get like the JD Martinez's of the world. We didn't get certain things. And I understand like Epler was kind of holding on to, you know, saying that, you know, there's some things that teams were requesting that they didn't want to go all in for. I know we have the top prospect in baseball. I think he's going to be untouchable because I think he's going to be back in the, up in the club. Anyway. And who is that for our audience that just in case they don't know? Francisco Alvarez. He's a catcher. Uh, mm-hmm. best, best prospect. He's raking in AAA now. He's or he's consistently hitting AAA now. He's struggled a little bit now. He's doing pretty well. Uh, top prospect in baseball. Know that. I was kept on hearing the name of Ron Mauricio, another top prospect for the Mets. He's a shortstop. Obviously, we've had Lindor for 10 years. You could probably <laughs> use him as any and Lindor's having a great year right now. You probably could have moved a guy like Ron Mauricio and got yourself a bat or a, 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 a you know a lefty or whatever. Um, we saw Jess Hader get moved. Like, don't think the Mets were going to be in on that, but like that's a lefty that was available that you might have been able to pitch something for the Brewers, right? So, you know. It was just very underwhelming to me. And and I understand the team's doing well. Like, the team is doing incredibly well. I know we lost to the Nationals yesterday. That was mm-hmm. kind of brutal uh, to watch. But, you know, it was, you know, like I said, and we'll talk Yankees and, like, what I really liked about that, what they did, and is that the Mets clearly had some holes. And, yeah, they did some bullpen help here, and they got some depth bats here. But it wasn't like – we want a consistent big bat. We want a consistent power bat. We want a consistent lefty. We want like, they didn't do the little things to add to this team. They did like the, the small things like to get the little bit of the depth help when someone gets hurt and you have a bat there that you can kind of maybe trust. Right. And they're kind of power bats, but they're not like a JD Martinez or anything like that. So to be right now, initial feelings C plus was very, very underwhelmed. Um, I thought they were going to make, I thought they were going to be one of the teams that were making a couple splash moves, um, but they ended up staying tight. That's fine. Like, I, I understand that um, in doing something like that, where you want to keep your future kind of intact, there's definitely some prospects that you could have moved around and gotten the pieces that you needed without suffering from the Mets' long-term future, right? You could have added now to this team that's doing clearly well in a window that you have um, based on Scherzer and DeGrom, and I would have added more than kind of waited like they did. So, Underwhelmed, um, but we'll see what this team kind of does going forward with these kind of additions. And maybe, who knows, maybe these little pieces add up to being something worthwhile. You know, you never know with baseball. You know, we saw what the Braves did last year. Mm-hmm. No one thought the moves they did last year was tremendous. You know, they add a bunch of bats here, that, that, the other thing. And the next year, you know, they go on a World Series run, right? right. So 
I never really know baseball. Maybe these little moves add to something incredible. All these guys turn it around and do great. Um, you can never, you never know with the sport, but definitely underwhelmed with that. Again, was the key thing for me was not getting a lefty reliever. That was the big thing that I kind of felt we really, really needed with this team. And the fact we walked away the trading line without getting and securing one uh, was kind of the place that I felt was the most frustrating as a Mets fan. And you don't feel like, oh man, this is a sign to come. If Epler's going to do just what the Wilpons would have done, do you think that's the case? Or is this just a specific, I don't want to give these prospects up. We're fine with what we have, but say it doesn't end well. Do you think like, damn, no matter what, the Mets are still going to be conservative despite having your billionaire owner? I don't think it was that. I think from what it seems like Apple was saying that the price tag for some of these players that they were looking at was too high to what they thought their value would be. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the Tigers wanted for like Chafin or like, I really didn't know what the case would be for there. Right. They could have asked for Mauricio and a bunch of top 10 prospects in the Metro. Like he's a rental. He's not, he's only gonna be here for a year or two. We're not giving up all this for him. Right. So you can't really know. He just said that the price tag is worth it. So I don't think, I don't think, you know, that they're going to be conservative going forward. If the team is like the, how the Yankees are looking, I think they're going to go all in and they'll be more. But I think this year with what maybe was on the market for what they're looking, they just thought, Hey, let's, let's kind of keep everything here. And then if something really big happens in the next year or two, you know, then we'll go all in. Um, But I think, I think they're going to not be like the Wilpons where they're just like, yeah, we're just going to sit here and do nothing. I think they're going to do stuff, but I think it really depends on it being the smart decision. They don't want another Brody stuff where they just fire away their home farm system. And it's (laughs) never really worked out. Although Edwin's been great this year. I'm not saying that I've, I've loved that win. I felt like, you know, eventually everything would come together and luckily it has this year. But the year that Brody was just firing off prospects for things that everyone was like, what are you doing here? What, you know, like kind of deal. Like that was kind of the confusing thing. But I think this, this, this group is kind of, kind of waiting to see what kind of happens and develops and this team's doing well. And they maybe didn't want to shift up the locker room too much. But, um, but you never know. I, I just think that they were saying that the people are looking at their the asking price is too high and they decided to sit this one out. Maybe next year they yeah. change that and say, you know what, we'll go all in and fire it off. And because we want to try to get a title, you know, you can never really know. Okay. I see. I see. And then the last two things I have. So with the Mets prospects, looking at the pros, um, look at the prospects. Now, Alvarez, do you expect to see him in a Mets uniform this season? It says here that they expect next season, but do you think this will be, the year he come gets called up. It's tough. I really, really want to see him. Um, I think catcher has been a, a weak spot for this team. I think I, I'm more of a, a why not and see how he does. But right? like also, what Conforto did in yeah. the 15 season, exactly. which straight from double A to there. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm more of maybe have him as a September call up see how he looks and if he's incredible you obviously have your 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 catcher for the next few years if he struggles you know come playoff time you maybe not have him on the playoff roster but i i would like to see him on the major league level at some point this year just to see him get some at bats and see how he is um but i i completely understand if the team doesn't want to rush him up to the majors and potentially you know get him his confidence down or anything like that. We've seen that with so many prospects 
over the last few years that they get called up too early and then they kind of never are the same, right? They, they, their confidence is down. They try to switch too many things. And then by the time they're up there, they're not great. So we've seen that with Mets prospects in the past too. So I'm a little bit weary. Um, so I think, you know, if he continues to rake on AAA this year, I think maybe see how he is as a September call up. Um, but if not, uh, I'm okay with them waiting until, you know, the start of spring training next year to really get him um, kind of up to speed to be, you know, the catcher for the Mets. Um, but me personally, being a selfish Mets fan, yeah, I want to see him up this year, but I can understand if they want to wait and uh, let him develop some more. Awesome. And then people are saying that it's that um, if they weren't make a big move, that um, the fifth ranked prospect, Mark Vientos, mm-hmm. plays third outfielder and first, that he should get called up now and they say he's ready. You excited about him? I don't know too much about him besides the name. Do you think um, – there's any room for him or there's anything to be excited about and yeah. where do you exactly put him on this roster i mean uh, i mean i think moving jd davis kind of opens it up a little mm-hmm. bit for him to potentially get some reps at round third um this year i mean looking at i'm looking at his scouting grades now i mean they're 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 off the charts <laughs> in terms of hitting 50 hitting 60 power uh arm 60 field i mean fielding Needs a little bit of improvement there, it looks like. But, um, you know, I, I just think, you know, I'm looking, you know, last year in double A and triple A, batted 281, 25 home runs over 83 games. I mean, um, I think he just has home run power. He has a good swing. I would, I would think he would have room to potentially play around third. Um, maybe be a DH, um, and uh, if not, it's going to throw us at first, but it's kind of a log jam at first with Volkabach and, and Alonso now. Um, but I think third has been a spot that has been a weak spot. So if his fielding has improved and he's done well, I think you can get him some reps late this year around at third. But um, I, I think the future is bright, and I think that's why the Mets didn't want to move off some of these prospects is because they know they have some great, uh, you know, all-around hitters coming through the system. And I think they kind of want to see their potential here in Mets uniforms. Whereas, uh, you know, if this was Brody regime, you'd be slipping off Vientos for nothing. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, so you know, I'm excited for him. I'm excited for some other guys. Uh, Brett Beatty, when he comes up, I, I really liked him when they drafted him. Uh, so, you know, I, I, from looking at Vientos, I think he's going to be able to be ready uh, relatively soon. I'd like to see him get reps around third base, but uh, we'll have to see. I mean, it's just like, you know, he could be a utility guy for this team. Um, but I think that's a guy that could get some reps later on in the year after the J.D. Davis move. Now that they know they can have some room to get uh, some reps for him around third if they want to kind of focus on him doing that. All right. Excellent stuff there. Now let's go to the Yankees. Yankees are having a historic season. Judge might pass Barry Bonds while he's playing. Um, you cannot be more excited if you're someone in my position being a huge Yankee fan. Despite losing to teams like the Astros and then getting swept by the Mets, you cannot be uh, too heartbroken right now. The Yankees need, coming into this, there were still some holes. It wasn't a perfect team despite winning. They needed a starting pitcher. Brian Cashman gets him. Frankie Montez, especially when he has experience against Houston, who's clearly going to be the final boss, if you will, to get to a World Series finally. 
We needed a outfielder. Joey Gallo literally completed his reign as the worst Yankee statistically ever. I was, I don't know. Did you happen to see that depressing uh, interview he did? Yeah. Print interview. Yeah. Doesn't want to, didn't want to leave his apartment. Yeah. Every time he's going to see Yankee hat, it'll be sad. I mean, I definitely do feel bad, but you know, he has $10 million coming to him. So it'll <laughs> be, okay. be okay. And he goes to the Dodgers. So, I mean, wow. But anyways, we get Andrew Benetton to replace him. And then, you know, with Stanton's injuries, though Hicks has been hitting, he definitely was not looking good at first, but Andrew Benetton joins the Yankees. Then we also needed some bullpen harms. We got Efros from the Cubs, who's looking good. We got Harrison Bader, who once he recovers from his injury, his foot injury, that guy is like a 99 speed overall. Like he can, he can feel it. I think he's from the city actually. And um, it's really exciting for the Yankees. And we also got another Trevino, um, even though people were concerned about um, some of his not stellar numbers in Oakland, maybe a change of scenery can help, but Cashman pulls off all these moves without giving up a top 15 prospect. He's really good at convincing teams. Yeah. Give a chance on this guy, even if those players don't work out for us either. But Cashman strikes again on his contract year as the GM and gets exactly what we need. And now we just sit and wait to see what's going on. So, I mean, it's not, there's not really much to complain about the Yankees because, because of that. And all I could say, being a Yankee fan, I am really, really satisfied for this team already has 70 wins in, uh, as August begins. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> what, 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 I don't, I can't think of a problem. Boone's been managing better. Um, I know Clay Holmes has been uh, not having a few good outings lately, but hopefully he could calm down. Already mentioned Judge. I mean, he might pass Bonds the way he's going, but I just want him to at least get 62. And, uh, yeah, just waiting for Stanton to come back so we can know what this lineup will look like if all healthy. And let's go. Let's go. Let's go, Yankee baseball. That's uh, my little monologue regarding the Bombers. How do you feel about it on your side? Uh, I mean, I was texting a buddy of mine who's, you know, a huge Yankee fan like yourself. And, you know, it was funny because, like, right before the Montas trade, you know, you guys get the relief pitcher. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, you get your bat in Benintendi. You get uh, Efros, your bullpen help. And then I was like, who's going to be the starting pitcher you go after? Is it going to be Montas or is it going to be Rondon, right? And literally within, like, 30 minutes of that text, it was like, Frankie Montas goes to the Yankees. I'm like, well, yes, there you sir. have it, right? Like, all their needs, they hit. And they added Lou Trevino. And, and like you said, yes. struggled a little bit. But you get Montas and you get Trevino, but you get your main bullpen arm to kind of replace Mo King and Necros, right? Like, he yes. you get your main guy. And Trevino is kind of just, like, added to it, right? It's just, like, bullpen depth. Like, that's... Can't have too much you pitching. You, yeah, you can't have too much pitching, right? And I understand you guys got rid of Montgomery... Yeah, that was the only thing I was going to mention. That was very weird. That was, I thought, was a little bizarre. I mean, I like Bader a lot. I think he's a great defensive outfielder once he's healthy. Um, But the fact that he has, you know, plantar fasciitis, he's going to be out until maybe the end of the season. That's what Wright had. Yeah, it's like, it's just can be really tough. Um, You know, especially for a center fielder, just planting on your feet all all the time. It's like, Mm -hmm. it it can really bother you. Um, 
So, you know, I know Montgomery had a really good start and then he kind of fell off um, recently. So, you know, I was kind of surprised by that. I thought he was going to be kind of part of this rotation going forward, but maybe they like Herman and, and Clark Schmidt. Maybe we'll get some more opportunities going forward. That was only a weird thing for me. And in, in, in all this, I like the move. If Bader was healthy, I would have really liked the move. The fact that he's hurt would kind of weirdly taken away from the rotation, but the fact that the Yankees hit every single part of a need, right? They needed the rotation arm. They got a rotation arm. They needed bullpen help. They got bullpen up. They needed a bat. They got more contact spray bat instead of the home run or nothing bat. They get Andrew Benintendi, right? And the fact that Cashman didn't give up a ton of prospects, like top 10 prospects, I was thinking left and right Montas, you're going to maybe have to give up some of your guys, Estevez or, you know, whoever. Uh, Volpe, whoever the case might be, mm-hmm. you know, that might be the case. But the fact that you guys kind of danced around with like your seven and your, you know, fifth or whatever, your tenth or whoever, like you didn't have to give them your big, big, big names. Um, I thought Cashman did a really good job um, in terms of doing that. Um, so overall, if I'm a Yankee fan, I would be ha- like extremely happy. <laughs> I think they really geared up um, for this run. That the only thing um, that you know uh, that surprised me was the Bader trade, just the move off the rotation. But uh, but the fact that you guys, like I said, I'm looking at your prospect list. You still have Volpe, Peraza, Dominguez. Mm-hmm. Um, you know your big three. Great job by Cashman, but not having to give up the amount of people that you know a lot of other teams are giving up for some of these arms. Yeah, let's get in, and I guess for now, if we're gonna look at a you know, if we're going through October, which is all this matters for, you have Cole, you have Cole and Esther Cortez, one and two. I think we'll wait till the end of the season who actually gets that start because it's fair to say that, hey, maybe Cortez starts game one. I mean, obviously it should be Cole, but mm. we know he, uh, he, he, despite being an all-star, it's hard to trust him at the moment after failing in Boston. So who knows what that could be. <laughs> obviously you have Montez coming in. Tyone, Maybe if you want to do that four starter um, in a game four scenario, maybe. I know he's definitely had his struggles, but when he's on, he's on. And he's like DeGrom. He has a hard time getting run support when he pitches. But at least we have those three solid, Montez, Cortez, and Cole. And we still have, you know, a couple months to go. And then there's rumors with Zach Britton coming back. If he could be anything like the player he was, despite uh, giving up the, the big, you know, blowing it. And when he was in Baltimore, Toronto, I think that's something to watch out for. Don't forget. And yeah, I, like I said, it's, it's going to be a good time. There's nothing to worry about. I mean, Marincino looks really good. Um, the young guy. And uh, I mean, let's, let's enjoy it. Like I said, there's nothing really to be upset about. I do think the Yankees are trying to win their games and, you know, it's it's pretty easy when you have a 12 game lead in front and all we could think about is Houston. And that's one thing we can discuss. Houston also made moves. They get Trey Mancini with some big help. Are you one of these people who are upset at the Orioles? You know, with the expanded playoffs, you're at, five, you're at uh, 500 at this point, you know, I think what were they with only just a few games back of the wild card? Why would you trade? you know, one of your best players. Do you, do you have a problem with that? As I've noticed some people on Twitter saying, and then you, you give them to Houston, which, you know, 
only gives me a little heart attack. Um, I'm not as mad. Uh, I have a coworker. I've talked with him soon about how he feels. He's an Orioles fan. Um, Loyalty. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not as mad as some people are. I mean, if sometimes if you see you see the writing of the wall, right, with this with, with teams, and I know they're playing above expectations and they're above 500 or they're around 500, but there's no way they're catching the Yankees to win the division and they have to chase for a wild card spot. So sometimes, you know, and I'm just looking at the standings here, um, you know, it's just that sometimes teams decide, eh, let's get some some stuff back for our talent because trying to battle for a wild card spot might not even be worth it at this point. And I understand for being, you know, an Orioles fan, you're, you know, a game and a half back from a wild card spot, but you're going up against Toronto, Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um so those are four pretty solid teams. Um, so maybe they just saw the writing on the wall that like, yeah, we're we're doing we're exceeding expectations and doing well, but let's add to our future. Let's get some talent. Because if you look across for what the Orioles have coming in these next few years, you're seeing Ali Rutschman, he's developing his swing and he's looking good right now. But then yep. they have some really, really good prospects coming over these next few years. So Maybe thought let's just add to the farm system now. Trey Mancini's been, you know, such a great guy. Obviously, his story is incredible. Um, just a, a franchise icon for the Orioles. But it was maybe time. Let's move on from him and get some prospects because our future looking bright and this team is exceeding expectations. So now let's try to get talent here to add to our future pool because they know this team, you know, future could be pretty solid going forward. So I'm not as mad as some people are, you know, it, uh, them selling. Um, I wasn't really surprised at them selling um, because there's teams like that that kind of look on their fringe wildcard team. And sometimes they just think looking at the other things, they're not, maybe not compete. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to say I'm not as mad. I, under, I completely understand where the Orioles are coming from. I just know I, I feel for the fans because they probably are thinking, you know, we just threw in the towel, mm-hmm. um, but you never know. You never know with the, with teams. You can get rid of some pieces and they can still be a great team. So, um, you know, uh, we'll have to see with them, but I'm not going to be uh, – I wasn't furious. of what the, what the heck are the Orioles doing? They're fighting for the wild card. They're not going, if they're going for the division, that's different. But fighting for the wild card, I can understand why they kind of started to move off some pieces um, to try to add to their, to their, uh, their farm system. Absolutely. Now let's talk about the big blockbuster trade. A.J. Prellers, the general manager of the San Diego Padres, I think he shows you that if you have the money and the will, go for it. And that's what Mr. Preller has done in a huge when it was announced that Soto declined these mega extensions at the National said, you know what, forget this guy. Let's just get rid of him. And what happens there's a huge battle. Some people thought maybe the Yankees, even though I never really wanted that. Selfishly, I want a judge. I mean, a judge would definitely go. I want a judge to be the outfielder, even though obviously logic puts you definitely want the younger guy. I just I'll let my one bias go for that. That goes. Some people said maybe the Mets, but who wants to trade in division? Yeah, they weren't going to trade in the division. <laughs> and then it came down to the Cardinals, Padres, and Dodgers, and the Padres win the bid. And Juan Soto and Josh Bell, the best two players on the Nationals, go to San Diego. Now you're going to have a lineup where the Padres have Juan Soto, 
and with two years of control, Josh Bell, you have Machado, you have Tatis when he comes back um, with stellar starting pitching. And then you also add a very hot Brandon Drury in the mix as well. The Padres, even though they are way behind the Dodgers, I think they're eight games back. They're still going for it. And they want to give this fan base a World Series that they never had. What do you think about this huge blockbuster deal? Do you think this is one of the biggest trades in MLB history? And I know it's two years from now until he actually um, is eligible for a new contract at the young age of 25. But is this going to change everything? Juan Soto going to the Padres. Um, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, when was the last time we saw a 23 year old superstar get moved from his team? I think it's the first time ever. I think I saw a tweet where it was like Juan Soto was like the first player to be like, you know, all star, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he has a World Series. Then a World Series champion and all that stuff. And before 23, and he's traded to a new team. Like, yeah, right. And just looking at the scope of things and just broader picture, the fact that the Nationals had the amount of talent they had at one time with Bryce Harper, Soto, <laughs> Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, and they're all gone within a few years is just insane to me. Yeah, um, they're the they're the thunder of the MLB in that pretty sense. Much. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you know, I, I it, it's it's unfortunate for them. I mean, I'm a Mets fan. I have a little bias. I'm a little happy that Juan Soto and Josh Bell are out of the division finally. Never have to see him um, again. Yeah, for a while. Um, maybe until the playoffs. Um, but, you know, it it does change the landscape. And the Padres went all in. They went all in. And, yes, you know, they gave their top, some evidence. of their top, top prospects for yeah. them, right? They gave I mean, them yeah. their top. They gave up, right? like, I'm going to look right now for you, but, like, I think Mackenzie Gore was their top guy. Um, and then the other guys were all, like, in within the top five. Um, one second for you. But, but they gave up. A good amount, and I they gave I think they I yeah. mean, they were supposed to give up Hosmer, but I think they ended up doing what because Hosmer wasn't going to give uh wasn't give it up. So yeah, his, um, he uses no trade clause, and yeah. hey, he earned it, so I don't blame him. Um, let me see. They might have updated the site since then, so let me nationals. Yeah, I also have it here too with Mackenzie Gore, left-handed pitcher, number one, Robert yeah. Hassel the third, and CJ Abrams. Yeah, here we go. I just got it. So yeah, I mean Robert Hassel is the number one now in the Nationals. Um, all these guys that they have, they got CJ Abrams, who was supposedly going to be up and and you know uh, the team soon. Um, he might be actually up. This <laughs> is the way how the Nationals need talent. Um, so they're kind of re-ranking everything right now. But yeah, they gave up. Mackenzie Gore, who's a great left-hander. Hassel, who's a great bat. C.J. Abrams should be up soon. Uh, another outfielder in James Wood, who I've heard good things about. And then a, another pitcher in Jarlin Susanna. So they gave up a lot. And Luke Voigt. All right. So they gave up a good amount. Um, a lot of people I know are a little disappointed in the return. I feel like people thought there was going to be more. Um, so Abrams... <laughs> So Abrams was the top. So I'm reading this article now. Abrams was a top prospect before this trade. Hassel was the number two. Um, Woods is number four. Suzanne is number ten. And then Gore was their top pitching prospect, but he uh, was pitching at the major league level this year, and then he got hurt. Um, so he was looking pretty good uh, before he got hurt. So um, good haul um, for me, at least. Um, but. Uh, 
but some people were still disappointed because it's a 23 year old and their prospects. Right. And I tell everyone that there's people out there that argue certain things about prospects. Uh, you know, you should keep them, blah, blah, blah. You, you know, blah, blah. You never know what's going to happen. You yeah. can have a top prospect. We see so many top prospects flame out right of the league. You never know. Um, so, you know, I'm surprised that the Nationals didn't try to get some more, like, sure things and then get these top prospects on top of that when you're training two all-stars pretty much. Um, and, and, you know, and Juan Soto, who's obviously been a brand all-star World Series champion, and Josh Bell, who's had talent and been incredible this year. Um, so I'm surprised they didn't get more sure MLB talent. They only got, like, one MLB talent, technically two of Mackenzie Gore. But uh, one – and not get more and then add those McKenzie Gores and the hassles and everything on top of that. So I think it really does shift the dynamic of the league. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, you look now going forward. I mean, like you said, Soto's still your, you know, year or two control left bell. I think what is he's, he's a rental. I don't, I don't know. He's a rental. He's a rental. Um, and then you've got Tatis who you have signed long-term. You have Machado who you have extended, you have certain names out there. So, you know, and you you got know, Jake Cronenworth. You got something. They add you have more. You get jury. You know, they have this pitching talent. So this team is looking going forward that like it's going to be a stacked team, right? They and he went the, the Padres GM went all in, and he lands a twenty three year old superstar and lands another rental, and they're going all in. I mean, I know they're not going to chase the Dodgers. The Dodgers done extremely well, but they're going to solidify a wild card spot, and they're going to be a team to look out for. Uh, for sure going forward. I mean, not even just this year, but next year, they're going to try to be, you know, the team that's being the front of the division. They're trying to push the Dodgers, um, and it's going to be very interesting to see. But you never see this often, and and I don't think we'll ever see this ever again, potentially. Um, you know, you don't see too many guys turn down 15-year, $440 million contracts. Um, but, you know, he can figure what he wants when he's with the Padres for these next two years, and I feel the Padres are going to give him an extension too. And your future, you have two guys. Fernando Tatis Jr. and Juan Soto. Wild That's nice. about for the next 10 years on your team. Two superstar, young superstars on your team. It's just crazy. Crazy to think about. But yeah. You how can you not expect this team to win the pennant at this point? And it's funny, they're both they're both the exact same age, too. They're both 23. Yeah. And so I guess it just shows, and that's probably what's frustrating. I'm maybe not in this case for like the Mets when you see like Billy Epler and because they are doing so well, but it just shows if a GM really gives a damn with, for lack of a better term, they can make these moves. Unlike your Oakland's who are just literally waiting to get kicked out of that city. Um, whether you're like a Kansas city or the pirates, especially yeah. they just, it's sad that some people literally look at these teams as a business, and of course, sports is a business. Don't take that away. But what about the competition aspect too? Yeah. Giving something for your fan base, and I think that's what's cool about the GM of the Padres and and uh, Eller for um, going for it. And he made a lot of moves last season, at last deadline too. And well, if you want it, go for it. Okay. And uh, you can only. Uh, wait and see if this Padre team can finally reach its potential because people thought that when Cosmer was coming and then when Machado initially, and they really haven't broken the levy yet, but if this can't do it, then I don't, I don't know. know the Padres, the exactly. Padres might have to leave. Yeah. Too. I don't know. Vegas, two teams, <laughs> Golden Nashville, but this should be exciting. And 
just some other moves that we that we um haven't mentioned yet before one more thing i want to talk about um the twins made a lot of strides don't forget i mean they've they are leading their division but i feel like they've been quiet i mean you have correa there gary sanchez and stuff and now they added people like jorge lopez another deal from baltimore who's a stellar closer you have noah Syndergaard going to the phillies <laughs> you finally want to get that revenge against him, Alex. Yeah. He's bound to finally start against it. You can't push him away. Yeah. You get, well, now you can't. Uh, I mean, I know he's <laughs> on a one year deal, so maybe he'll flee again. Um, but <laughs> I mean, we'll see. I mean, yeah, I want to get that revenge against him. Um, you know, uh, obviously the, the, the Phillies gave up Mickey Boniak, former first overall pick. So we'll see how he does with the angels. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, I want to get our revenge on Syndergaard. Uh, but I just feel great after him kind of chirping on his way out, which I thought was bizarre um, because none of us had none of us Mets fans had any hard feelings towards. Yeah, him. right. And I don't. I don't know why he kind of was chirping and saying some things he like he has um, recently because we've never we loved him. He was Thor. He we you know he was he was our guy. We we really like liked him. And after he kind of left, I kind of was like, I don't want to really follow you anymore. I don't really want to hear from you. I don't really. It was just kind of bizarre. Um, so eventually I do want to see him play the Mets and I want to get like 10 runs against him. I just want to of course. go and show out. Um, That's going to be a hot ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll see when that comes down because yeah, you obviously can't avoid him. And like, like you said, you know, Philly's tooling for a wild card run. Uh, the Braves are going to be right behind with the moves they made. They're going to be right behind us fighting for the division. So it's going to be a fight in this then at least down the stretch. And it's going to be exciting to see, um, you know, which is why I'm a little nervous with some of the Mets because the Braves did made some moves and the Phillies made some moves as well. Um, for sure. And like you said, with the twins, they made some really good moves, getting some pitching, uh, Taylor Molly and stuff like that from the Reds and, uh, Jorge Lopez and things like that. So they are looking like they're going to try to, you know, be uh, a tough uh, contender this year in the playoffs. So, uh, so yeah, and don't forget also the Blue Jays get some huge depth in a contact hitter. Whit Merrifield goes to the Blue Jays. None of these teams get the vaccine for before right. be a Blue Jay, but yes, yeah. What was that story that he said? I well, he said I'm on Kansas City. I don't have to worry about going to the yeah. playoffs, and then he gets traded yeah, to he, Toronto. Right up, yep. Well, yeah. I think uh, deep down he knows this is a way better for his career, yeah. and. Yeah, uh, is there anyone I missed too? Um, I think it got everybody of uh, note at least. Yeah, I think Rossell. I think we really talk about Rossell and Glacius going yes. to the Braves from the Angels. I think mm-hmm. that's that was a, a, a good move by the Braves. Um, to get that more depth to the bullpen, I know Kenley Jansen's been hurt, um, and everyone else kind of being in that closure spot has been uh up and down. Uh, so I think them getting Rossell and Glacius, I saw that, I was like. Lovely as a best fan, it was great. Uh, and then they made it the basement another move. Who am I forgetting? I know Philly got David Robertson. I'm trying to think, uh, maybe if, maybe I'm blanking on something. Uh, oh, they get older, Rizzi. That was yeah. another, um, yeah. Uh, which I know he's had a not so great start with Houston and he got hurt, but he's back. Um, and he's been up and down, but again, adding arms uh, to their team. So, uh, I, I just think uh, the Rosa and Glazers one was kind of an interesting move that I saw uh, that I didn't see coming, you know, obviously an all-star kind of level closer. Um, so now he's going to be going up against the Mets. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, but I think for everything else, I think we've pretty much hit all the, uh, all the big ones um, for sure. And this upcoming weekend, this is the five game series weekend. 
Yeah. Yankees yeah. Braves. Uh, I mean, Yankees Braves. Mets Braves. Yeah, Mets Braves coming up right after we wrap up against the Nationals um, tonight. Uh, so big, big series. Uh, luckily, we will have after seeing Jacob back, uh, which we can talk real quick. After yeah. seeing Jacob Degrom back, uh, super excited how he looked. Um, looked confident. He only pitched like five innings. Of course, typical Mets fashion. We give him no offense, and we end up losing that game because our bullpen blew up um, with some of the arms we put in that game. Um, but. He looked really good. Uh, He was, I think he had like four strikeouts through two innings or something. Uh, So he looked good. He was hitting 99. He hit 102 uh, in his first uh, uh, battle and first batter he faced. So um, he looked good. Didn't look like he had any discomfort. Um, He looked like the Jacob DeGrom of old. Um, So luckily with that, we'll have him in the series against the Braves. Uh, we didn't know if that if we we're going to throw him to the wolves, if you will, against the Braves. So the fact that he able to pitch against the Nationals, kind of get his rhythm and tempo back and get confidence, and now he will go against the Braves. So we'll have Scherzer to ground finally uh, for the first time in this series coming up against the Braves. So it's very, very going to be a very, very stressful series for me as a Mets fan, but hopefully we can, uh, you know, go uh, walk away with the series win against them. It's a very, very uh, important series coming up. Yeah, this is it. If you want that momentum and you can't get too comfortable because we see that the uh, that the um, that the Phillies are trying to make a run for it, even the wild card spot. But as of now, at this very moment, the Mets are up two and a half games against Atlanta and see who wants it more. I definitely will be watching from the side as I just have to coast with the Yankees. Um Already a 70 wins. I just have to watch Judge keep hitting home runs, please. And um, this team just grows their chemistry, and then we'll get ready for October because the only really series that I'm – I mean, I watch every single game, but the only other series that like is of intrigue is the next Subway series at the end of August. So not much to worry about as we get ready for NFL season as well. And I guess the last thing I have to ask you, Alex, have you been watching The Captain? ESPN documentary. I haven't yet. I, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those documentary guys that I you like to wait for all the episodes to come out. Fair like enough. I hear that. Back to back to back. The only one I really didn't do that with was Last Dance. Uh, mm-hmm. For some reason, I was like, I, I I met the producer at work. I need to watch his stuff. I need of to course. See story, right? I was like, I got to see this. So that was like Last Dance. For me, I love Derek Jeter, and I think it's got, like, I heard it's been a great documentary. It's been fascinating to watch. Um, so, but I'm just going to wait for like that one so I can kind of sit and binge it all. Um, but I've heard good things that I'm assuming you have been watching. Uh, of course. Yeah. I, you know, coming into the doc, I was always going to watch. I was excited, but I was like, you know, when you, the thing with Jeter, I think is fair. When it comes to conflict, there wasn't really that much. And when you do a documentary, the point is where's the, what's the huge conflict in the middle and for Jeter, who was able to stay away from controversy, at least we thought, um, I was like, what, what is there to expect? And now four episodes in, it, it wasn't as easy as, you know, the median people portrayed to be definitely had. I was definitely interested in the obstacles he overcome, you know, the segment with his tumultuous relationship, the really tumultuous relationship with A-Rod, um, you know, winning the first four, winning four World Series in his first five full seasons, and then you know only winning one in the next fifteen. That just shows how damn hard baseball is. And when you have something good, don't mess it up. 
because it'll take a long time to get it back. And with that, I think, and also just his nightlife stories and stuff like that, I think the doc is really intriguing. And even non-baseball fans would get a kick out of it. I'd love to hear what you think when it's all said and done. I think there's three episodes to go, two on, you know, when this drops on Thursday and then one more next Thursday. So you'll be excited to see what you have. But um, definitely watch the doc on ESPN or ESPN Plus. But yeah, we hit everything we needed to, Alex. Two months to go with baseball. It's going to be as good as it gets. And there has to be. There has to be at least one New York baseball team, preferably mine. But, of course, I wouldn't mind to see the Mets in the National League, uh, win the National League pennant. Or maybe it's the Subway Series we're all waiting for. But there's a lot of steps in between, and we just have to enjoy the ride, right? For sure, yeah. Uh, it's going to be super exciting. And, uh, you know, I would love a a, a World Series, uh, a Subway Series World Series. Uh, so we'll wow. see. <laughs> but we got two months to go. Uh, there's a lot that could happen. and uh, But, you know, exciting trade deadline. And, um, yeah, I think both our teams are going to be uh, fun to watch, hopefully, uh, over these last two months uh, and lock up their spots for a postseason run. Let's get it, Alex. I will be seeing you again very soon. Thank you so much for another stellar episode. And um, thank you again, Alex. Is there anything else uh, you have to say? No, uh, thank you for having me on again, talking trade deadline, talking a little bit of everything with Bill, uh, Bill Russell and Vince Cully. It has been a blast uh, yep. as always. And uh, looking forward to another t- conversation, uh, probably maybe at the end of the regular season with baseball or some things coming up maybe with basketball or football. Yes, um, but looking let's forward do that to as it. well. And uh, yeah, uh, great talk as always. And it's always been fun uh, having and chatting with you and, uh, you know, talking some baseball. Thank you again, Mr. Young. I appreciate you, and I'll be seeing you very soon. Let's go. Let's have some good baseball to watch. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Bravo, Alex Young. You did it again, my friend. Awesome job talking baseball with you. You know you're always an all-star here. Thank you so much for coming on again. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out on the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at PodCombopod, or on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So... Great job by Alex. I'm so excited for baseball. It's going to be a great time. We will actually have a surprise podcast for you tomorrow. We are putting some content out there. I had I was asked to do this show, talk about this subject, and we're going to do it. So Friday, we have a special edition for you, a nice bonus show, if you will. And then we're back on Tuesday with De Niro Talks, the long-awaited podcast for a future, if not already, huge star in the world of fashion and streetwear. De Niro Talks is this Tuesday, and then we'll have another great show for you Thursday after that. So a lot of good shows coming up and more after that. And until then, I hope you all have a wonderful day. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family. I'll see you tomorrow. I love each and every single one of you. The production nation is king. See you later, everybody. Peace.